This is Binghamton Now on News Radio 1290, WNBF Binghamton, and WNBF.com. Where news breaks first. News Radio 1290, WNBF. Here's Kathy White. Good morning. It is 9.04, and it is still a cold one. We haven't gotten out of the 40s yet. 43 right now in Binghamton. Winds out of the north, 16 miles an hour, gusting to 23. Our wind chill has stayed rock steady at 35 this morning. The forecast for today for the greater Binghamton area Still might squeak in a chance of showers, although that's greatly diminishing as we go through the morning. Gradually becoming mostly sunny today, but a high only in the mid-50s. And for some of the people in our listening area, it's time to start thinking about covering plants. The National Weather Service in Binghamton has issued a frost advisory for parts of the eastern southern tier down to the Catskills for tonight. NOAA has issued that advisory starting from midnight until 8 a.m. tomorrow for Delaware, northern Oneida, Sullivan, and Otsego counties. Tender outdoor plants should be covered or moved inside as temperatures in the advisory area could drop to between 37 and 33 degrees. The coldest area with the potential for frost formation would be those rural sheltered valleys. WMBF News Time 905. City of Binghamton now has the all clear to take over ownership of the dilapidated Binghamton Plaza so the crumbling former shopping mecca on the north side can be leveled, making way for future development. The city's plans to seize the property under eminent domain had been hung up in bankruptcy court since 2019, with the owners, Binghamton Plaza Incorporated, owing thousands in back taxes. A court ruled this week that after years of inaction in the case, the city's eminent domain filing can go forward. Binghamton Mayor Jared Cram acknowledged that many of the remaining businesses in the decades-old plaza have been there for years and don't want to move. He says the city plans to work with those businesses on what is going to happen going forward. The city hopes to start its eminent domain proceedings to take ownership of what had been a garbage dump decades ago prior to development of the plaza within the next few weeks. WMBF News Time 906. What's left of a burned-out two-family home on the First Ward of Binghamton is finally being demolished. The house at 44 Lake Avenue that was heavily damaged by fire in February has been called an eyesore and attractive nuisance for crime for more than seven months. The woman who owned the building suffered smoke inhalation when that fire broke out in the downstairs apartment February 5th. She and two people living in the other unit were left homeless by that fire. City Code Enforcement Supervisor last month sent out a letter to advise Allison London that the fire department had determined her building was 75% damaged. The city engineer had declared the building to be structurally compromised. London was ordered to demolish the house by September 15th. The city ultimately hired Gork Construction to do the job. WMBF News Time, 907. Local entrepreneurs looking to are looking at a real potential with the growing of cannabis in New York. New York State Cannabis Connect, in partnership with the city of Binghamton, is hosting a Catch a Contact Career Summit tomorrow at the Visions Veterans Memorial Arena in downtown Binghamton. Organizers say there are business opportunities in the future sale of legal recreational marijuana in the state, as well as the established cannabis-related products industry. The Cannabis Connect website says the cannabis industry is already in New York State and is heating up. The agency says it wants to connect potential employees with emerging and established cannabis businesses in the Binghamton area. 
Tomorrow's summit is the first of its kind in New York State. Keynote speakers will be talking about strategies for success, making connections, and opportunities for locating new businesses. There are a number of job opportunities in the industry, from growers to accounting, security, design, and marketing. The Career Summit is free and open to the public. It's scheduled to run from 10 a.m. until 3 p.m. Those interested in attending can register at summit.nycannabisconnect.com. The Endicott Department of Motor Vehicles office on Washington Street in Washington Avenue in Endicott will be closed next week for staff training. According to the Broome County Clerk's office, the DMV will reopen Saturday, October 1st. Those with motor vehicle business are being instructed to use the Binghamton office. That's, of course, in the downtown Binghamton bus hub and the mobile offices while the Endicott DMV is closed. The Whitney Point Satellite Office at the Northern Broome Senior Center is open Monday and Friday. The Harpersville Satellite Office in the Eastern Broome Senior Center is open on Tuesday. The Conklin Satellite Office in Conklin Town Hall is open on Wednesday. The Windsor Satellite Office at the Windsor Town Hall is open on Thursday. All the satellite locations are open from 9 a.m. to 1 p.m. with lunch break from 11.30 a.m. to 12 p.m. For more information on Broome County Department of Motor Vehicle Office locations, hours, and services, go online to www.gobroomcounty.com slash DMV. WMBF News Time, 909. The WMBF Twin Tiers forecast for the greater Binghamton area gradually becoming sunny. Just a 30% chance of some showers still before midday, a high today in the mid-50s. Tonight, mostly clear, a low around 40 for Binghamton. Frost advisory for Delaware County and the low could be dipping into the 30s. For Saturday, mostly sunny, a high in the mid-60s. Sunday, mostly cloudy, a 60% chance of afternoon showers, a high in the mid-60s. Monday... Partly sunny, a 50% chance of showers and a high in the mid-60s. And Tuesday, partly sunny, a 50% chance of showers and a high in the low 60s. Currently 43 in Binghamton with winds gusting up to 23 miles an hour. It feels more like about 35. It's 912 where news breaks first. News Radio 1290 WMBF, WMBF.com and 92.1 FM. And congratulations, Kathy White, for four decades of service to Binghamton radio listeners. Didn't we go back through this before? I didn't. Yes, we did. When? Back when it was the dual party with the other person here that got 40 years. Back in May. On the air? Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm too old to remember. You know, we probably have a tape of that. Yeah, I mean, probably it's we probably do. a file. <laughs> Well, anyway, according to this, and this is a confidential document, not to be broadcast, but it says that your hiring date was September 2nd, 1982. Right. So maybe we talked about it ahead of that one other guy, but... Yeah, the other guy. Whoever that guy is. You've got to watch out for some of these people that... My rule of thumb is watch out for people who stay at the same place for more than three decades. Yeah, they can't be trusted. Eventually, they wear their glasses down at the end of their nose. Exactly, exactly. They look you know, down their nose it's on It's like, I, I, people are confusing me for a Senate majority leader. The uh, But again, congratulations. I think, you know, maybe it was said last May. Our listeners would remember more than I would. But 
Yeah, congratulations. That's uh, so. Not to rehash everything that may previously been broadcast on the station, but tell me again. I know we've talked about it even before, but tell me again how you wound up in radio in the first place. <laughs> I mean, people ask me that too, and it's it's like at first I think they're really curious, and and then I I think they're really sad. Like, want to make sure my kids or grandkids don't make the same <laughs> make yeah, the oh, same absolutely. choices you did. No, it, it, there was somebody that I dated in high school that was interested in radio and. Ended up, uh, I was tagged along to some radio stations and started messing around with the uh, reading copy and such like that and got told I was a natural and I had done some journalism like in high school and such, so kind of fell into it that way. I started out actually as a DJ and running around and meeting the rock stars and talking to them and stuff, but also doing the news gigs. So. What was the first radio station you ever visited? That I ever visited? Yeah, where you were in some... Up on the hill? Yep. Didn't that scare you? There was another guy that I ended up hooking up with that uh, was working at WINR at the time. Oh. Oh. So, I just hang around with guys in radio. (laughs) And back in the time, this was a career, and this was one of the things that also interested me in it, because I don't march to the beat of the traditional drummer was when I was uh, doing reading and, and stuff as a as a teenager I was looking at things the, there was I remember reading an article about careers that are not normally pursued by women and uh, broadcasting and news that was one of the ones back in the day there weren't a lot of female broadcasters they were all guys <laughs> disc jockeys DJs yeah I remember when this has to be 1984 because that's when Boscov's opened. You remember when Juanita Crab and I, Al Boscov. I did promotion in the front window of Boscov. I yes. think I remember saying that. But the thing is, I was <clears throat> I was in a relationship with another local journalist in radio, and she said, "Oh, why don't we meet back here in ten years for the ten year celebration of Boscov's?" And I, I said. It's not going to be open that long. Come on. She said, it will be. I said, it won't be. But, you know, I mean, not that I... I was just excited. Remember the big crowd in August 1984. Oh, yeah, you couldn't get anywhere near the Thousands store. of people flocked and our, to... And the station, you know, we weren't the merged group that we are mm. now. The half that I was with, we were located closer to the store than you guys right. were by a, a block. Right. And it was, yeah, because we were at Security Mutual. By the way, what's, uh, I don't think we've ever talked about this on the air, probably shouldn't bring it up, but what were your thoughts, because I remember my thoughts when they first announced that we, like WNBF, uh, The Hawk, I think WYOS, we were going to merge with WAAL and WKOP. So what were your thoughts when you heard... You were going to be merging with competing radio stations. I mean, I really, you know, I don't really remember. Mm -hmm. I just remember that I probably you guys were told about it before we were. I think so because I think the company, I think it was called Wix. Yes. Wix. Yes. So Wix Broadcasting acquired your stations, which were Butternut Broadcasting, Um, Butternut and Binghamton Broadcasters. They were under the KOP was under a different um, header than the Whale. Yeah. And so it was all 
times as as part of moving into this building. And that was interesting because... The Taj Mahal of broadcasting. Well, it was exciting. I've got videos when uh, our then-general manager, Roger Conklin, who died not that long ago, I've, I've got videos the first time he took me through here. They already had started some of the construction down here in the, the lower level. And I'm um, saying, remember, none of the rooms really had been laid out. None of the walls had been put up yet and he's saying well this will be where the newsroom is and this will be where at the nbf studio he neglected to make a space for me to plug my computer and typewriter in. well the first thing is he also neglected to put a door between the nbf studio and the newsroom and as soon as i saw that i said roger roger that's not going to work and he said what do you mean Again, I'm paraphrasing. Or maybe he just said, oh, and then... There were a few people that pointed out that it was a fire hazard not having an exit on well, the side of the building. Yeah, well, it wasn't just a fire hazard. It was also just logistics because, let's face it... We're supposed to claw- crawl through the the drive-up window. And that's another thing that was never explained to Why me. Why do we, we have a drive-up? We have a drive-up window that looks like it was stolen from In-N-Out Burger somewhere in Los Angeles. I think it was like, when Rickles Lumber was closing. <laughs> giving, like... Yeah, you know, uh, we've, we've got a, a drive-up window you can have for, like, five bucks. It's well, we need to have the visibility between the studios, but back at the Whale Studios, there was a window between the news closet, the booth, and the control room, but it wasn't something that you could slide open. Yeah. Well, and back, way back, well, even at Security Mutual, we had windows between the studios, big windows between the nbf studio and the newsroom and a production studio and even the hawk studio and even at center plaza we had big windows but they probably cost too much so that we got a deal on the drive through window and well, even to this at day least, at least you didn't go to the the uh 1970s version and we'd have like those beads oh my gosh <laughs> that would have been groovy Oh, way groovy. Anyway, again, congratulations <laughs> to you. you. And, of course, not that he would ever listen to this program, but you might convey my ongoing congratulations to him, too, because, you know, I I always think that it's great that people... Oh, what, that the people, other guy? Yeah, yeah. He's a good guy, in my opinion. Well, there you go. <laughs> Thanks. It's, uh, well, gee, the program's over. Um Wow. That went by quickly. Wait a second. This is how it begins. (laughs) Oh, time flies when you're having fun. It's Friday, September 23rd, 2022. This is Bob Joseph broadcasting to all the ships at sea. All the ships in the Susquehanna River. Glad to have you with us. We'll be taking some phone calls. Oh, we will take some phone calls today at 607-772-1290. Also, emails will be accepted, bob at wnbf.com. We look forward to hearing from you today on the phone, maybe by email. Because this is your program on News Radio WNBF. It's 
922, and we say good morning to Nick Tamaris from Miller Motors. Nick is the Honda sales manager. Good morning. Hey, good morning, Bob. How are you? Super. How are things? Oh, excellent. Phenomenal. I was actually excited. I came into work today, driving way down. We actually have a Virginia transportation truck out there unloading a bunch of new Hondas. So what what a sight to see. I'm so happy. <laughs> well, it is. Uh, and we've had these conversations uh, over the course of the year. And of course, challenges continue. Things are not back to normal in most industries, including the automotive industry. But um, vehicles are still being made, and they are arriving consistently at Miller Motors on the Parkway. And to that point, we've talked about this before. Of course, uh, for you, if people are, are specifically interested in a Honda or perhaps uh, if people are interested in information about a new Hyundai, they can talk to your colleagues. fact is, vehicles are available, and people should stop in to uh, talk with the Miller Auto team to find out what the options are. Absolutely. And the really great thing about it is we get folks, their leases are coming up. Come in now, pick out the car that you want, and that way in a few months we'll have the car here ready for you. Lease expires, you'll uh, scooch right into the brand new one. And the neat thing is we have cars out there, so that way you can sit in them, feel them, see what they're like. We can go over all the features, all the really cool gadgets that, that are in the car, and then get the car ready for you. And we also have pilots. Uh, if you're looking for a car today, stop in. We have a Honda Pilots. So, you know, you're, you're going to be coming up to the cold season here pretty soon. I, I, I hate to say it. But, you know, people want the all-wheel drive. They want a car that you could step up into, you know, so you got great visibility. We have Honda Pilots here available, which is great. And if you're looking for pickup trucks, Honda Ridgelines, we have those available as well, too. So definitely um, we got some phenomenal things happening here. And you and your colleagues will be uh, doing business today till 6 p.m. You'll also be open tomorrow if people can't make it in today. Yeah, yep. Yeah, today is, today is turning out to be a really great day, and it's getting busy already. Uh, today we're going to be here till 6 o'clock. Saturday we're going to be here till 4 o'clock. And, yeah, stop on in. Uh, we got the coffee on. There's popcorn in the showroom. Uh, we have cars in the showroom floor. We have cars outside to show you. And, uh, yeah, it's a great thing. It's all happening at Miller Motors. Stop in and say hello to Nick and all the other members of the Miller Auto Team at 4455 Vestal Parkway East across from Binghamton University. And, of course, if you want more information, look at the MillerAutoTeam.com website. Nick, I wish you a great day and a wonderful autumn weekend. Uh, and you too, and we appreciate it. And one last thing, when you said come and see the colleague, see Sam Trinavong as well too. He just turned 25-year anniversary here, working here at Miller Auto Team. So we got a big banner out there. we got a ton out there, cars in there. So stop in and see Sam as well, too. Today's his uh, 25th anniversary. Oh, well, uh, I, I'm just paging down on, on the website. I, I see his photo. I'll tell Sam that I said um, good morning and congratulations. We sure will. We sure will. And have everybody come in and say hi to him as well, too. It's a cause to celebrate. Well, Nick, uh, wish wish everybody a, a great day, and uh, also hope you do de- get a chance at some point during the weekend to uh, relax and get recharged for uh, next week. Absolutely. And you, too, and we appreciate it. Thank you. 925 Live and Local News Radio, WNBF, WNBF.com. If you want to talk about stuff... I think you know what stuff we'll be talking about. 607-772-1290 or send an email to bob at wnbf.com.
Live and local, News Radio, WNBF, 92.1 FM, 1290 AM, and streaming live on the free WNBF app. You're in. Joseph welcoming you to the land down under. Yeah, that's where uh, the woman who just opened up the ice cream shop had, had lived for a while in the land down under. By the way, she's apparently um, very, very pleased with uh, the response of people to her new ice cream shop on the south side. Mm-mm-mm. And I have to go over there and get one of those 99s. A 99. If you saw the story at WNBF.com about the new ice cream shop, you know what a 99 is. I want one. I need one. A 99. And check out that story. Ice cream shop on the south side. They sell all the usual stuff that you would see at all the better ice cream shops. But they also have something that I've never seen before because I've just never been to Europe. Well, I've never been to England. I never saw a 99. So I've got a 99 there. Check it out on WNBF.com. Let's go to the phones and take some calls from Brenda in the Forks. Good morning. Morning, Bob. Yeah, about uh, Alice Cooper there last week. I went to that concert, and I just wanted to tell everybody that he plays the harmonica. (laughs) I don't know if you're aware of that, but he did. No, I I was not aware of that. I I know Bob Dillman plays the harmonica. I I just never knew Alice Cooper. Yeah, so doesn't Steven Tyler. I saw him in concert twice, but listen, Alice Cooper, I didn't know he was at Walmart, and I heard you talking the other day. I would have loved to have saw him. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, you know, I mean, can you imagine you're just drive, you're walking through the Walmart in the cookie section, and there next to you as you're grabbing your box of Malamars, there's Alice Cooper grabbing his box of Malamars. And in fact, imagine, if you will, that uh, because this is the early Malamar season, that they were down to their final yellow, bright yellow box of Malamars made in Canada. There's only one box left. At the Walmart in Johnson City, and then Alice Cooper says, you can have it. He would say, Brenda, you can have that final box of Malamars. I'll just wait for another couple of days when I go to Albany, to the Walmart there, and see if they have Malamars. Yeah, Hmm. Yeah, and then I heard you saying he was in Albany. Yeah. People saw him up there, too, with Jonathan. So, you know, it would have just been great to meet him. Anyway, it's cold this morning. Oh, my gosh. I thought there was frost on my flakes. Oof. Yeah. Oof. Cold. Good coffee day. Falls in the air for sure. Oh, it was. It was. By the way, I was out reporting because a lot of people think, oh, Bob, all you do is just um, 
stop into the station, have a few cups of coffee, do your little dog and pony show from 9 to noon, and then leave. You have your driver take you home. And it's, no, nothing could be further from the truth. I'm, I'm out there reporting in the field before the program, after the program. And um, so I was in Endicott. Listen to this. This is a clip that I just posted on Twitter of what happened in Endicott. Listen. I love <laughs> reporting because you never know who you're going to run into on the way into work. And look at my new friends. Hi. 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 Hi, pups. So what it was is two dogs. Uh, I was doing a, a story in Endicott, and these two dogs were out for uh, because they're friends. They're, they're neighbors, and they get together every morning. They're, they're humans, uh, have coffee, and, and hang out because they, they live there in Endicott. And then the dogs just, like, chat with each other. It's sort of apparently kind of a morning ritual. And when I was out reporting a story, I got to meet them. As well as actually, it turns out, some guy that I know, anyway, who I hadn't seen in quite a while. So we wound up having a conversation, and then I, I took some video and, and put it on, on Twitter so people could see these beautiful pups. What kind of dogs? Uh, one is, uh, looks like a golden. The other looks like a, a, re, a, a retriever. I, they both, they're both the types of dogs. One is very much like a golden retriever. The other is sort of a, a whitish. I I don't know my dogs that well. Looks looks like a lab, but they both are are the dogs that always, whenever they look at you, it looks like they're so happy. They're smiling. Yeah. <clears throat> anyway, best concert I've seen here in Broome County in a long time. Well, um, who knows? Maybe maybe at some point Alice Cooper will return. Here's my promise. Obviously, since he was just here, if he ever comes back to Binghamton, it's not going to be right away. But there's nothing to say he couldn't come back in two or three years. But my my intention is, if he ever comes back, I'll make it a point to uh, see his show. I I should have actually gone this year. Problem is, this year, as, as I recall, it conflicted. I I had a meeting at the same time that he was doing his concert. But anyway, uh, yeah, for his age, I mean, he's, he sings great. And when he played that harmonica, I was just astounded. He, he's just fantastic. He really is. Well, thanks. Thanks for uh, offering your impression. Anyway, Listen, uh, Bob, tonight, Shenango Forks varsity football is playing Maine Endwell. I just wanted to tell everybody. All right. Well, go, go Spartans. Go Spartans. <laughs> no, go Forks. The Forks <laughs> okay. Have a good weekend, Bob. Thank you. 934 WNBF. John from Binghamton. Good morning. Just for the record, Bob, uh, the king of the harmonica in the last uh, 60 years, a guy named Paul. Butterfield, uh, played Binghamton many times, whose band uh, was truly, truly groundbreaking. Uh, first band to introduce, way before Blood, Sweat, and Tears, horns into the band. Uh, great, great musicians came out of the Butterfield band, Mike Bloomfield, uh, Elvin Bishop, Buzzy Fenton. Well, I thank you for mentioning. Unfortunately, I see he only lived to be uh, 44. He died when he was very young. Yeah, and uh, uh, I've mentioned this before. Very nice to, uh, you know, we were going to Binghamton Central at the time, and uh, we, uh, some of us, went up to see him several times, and uh, it was very, very nice. Uh, uh, And they didn't have to be, you know, but uh, just... uh, 
Sam Lay, one of the original drummers, uh, just died. But if you listen to something like East West, which is a uh, probably, I don't know, nine, ten minute song, and you listen to it, you, you will, let's put it this way, it makes the Allman Brothers look like a garage band. Huh. I mean, it's it's uh, just just something else. But he was the he was actually there's a song called "Last Hopes Gone," uh, and uh, that song is uh, very very close to a fusion of uh, jazz and rock, which was never accomplished, by the way. You know, like uh, "Blood, Sweat, and Tears" was uh, referred to as jazz rock, and what what would happen is if you listen to the the, the tunes, it would either be rock and then there would be a jazz break. So it was never fully fusion, but uh, Butterfield uh, did try to do it. And of course, who could forget the song Born in Chicago, 1941, my pappy told me, son, get yourself a gun. So <laughs> there you go. Uh, on the district attorney's office, Bob, which is what I called about, uh, curious, I think it was last week that a Broome County Jail Guard got probation for bringing in drugs to the jail. Now, this person is highly connected. His father uh, within was in law enforcement. Oh, yeah. By the way, just between you and me, I think you'll be hearing more about his father in the coming days. But yeah. that's that's an aside, just yeah. a heads up. And, uh, you know, connected to Fred Akshar, uh, Judge Carroll, uh, the the judge that's going to inherit her husband's judge, they, you know, the, their incomes have been reduced now. They they got to go to his federal pension and his county pension. But Judge Carroll and the district attorney cooked up this deal. Now it's interesting, you know. Look, let me tell you something. Uh, this is the DA that went. You know, you think this retribution against Trump is something? I mean, this DA went after uh, the prior uh, DA, which, by the way. Uh, uh, you know, did nothing but uh, help him out. So uh, Korchak went after Cornwall. But how about this fellow that stole all these drugs, this investigator, uh, former police officer, uh, worked at the district attorney's office, stole all the drugs from the drug inventory for, for criminal cases. Now, I don't know how you proceed. I know drugs are fungible, but I don't know how you proceed in in drug cases without the evidence, if the evidence went to the investigator's own personal habit or whether he was selling it, he was on the lam for a while. Guy's got problems, but you know, everybody's got problems. So uh, this guy was never charged. So, you know, you you want to farm out this to a special prosecutor, that to a special prosecutor. Let me tell you something. Let me tell you something, Bob. Korchak is toast if he doesn't bring forth Aliza Spencer's killer, and if he doesn't address this issue of his investigator stealing evidence, drug evidence, from the district attorney's office, he's absolutely 100% finished. Okay, well, that's your opinion. Well, and and he's got a, uh, that, that uh, Cornwell case better, better pan out, too, because, uh, you know, you, you have to have a certain level of trust, and if and this is where these these drug sentences. This is the point of it. The point is not who, the ethnic or the skin color of people that are being popped for for drugs. The, the point is is that the connected are getting away with this. I can't think of any worse offense if you're going to be tough on drugs 
than bringing it into the jail. You know, this is always a mystery. You know, if you go to a prison town and you look at where the prison guards live and you know what the prison guards make and then you see motorboats and, and all kinds of SUVs, you, you know something is wrong, right? And if there's drugs in a jail, how do they get in? Everybody goes through the same checkpoints. So I think uh, we, we better let this one all hang out. And, uh, uh, you know, uh, let Judge uh, uh, Carroll there, uh, uh, soft on drugs. Soft on drugs, Bob. Well, society is getting softer on drugs. Look, uh, uh, say 50 years ago, some people who uh, were arrested for possession of a relatively small amount of cannabis wound up being sentenced to some pretty lengthy terms of incarceration. Now it's just like... No problem, kids. No problem. Eh, open up some more stores. We need, you know, New York needs the money. So I think, and I'm not pontificating here. I, I you know me, John. I have no opinion on this. I'm just saying that uh, based on general observations, society, not just in Binghamton or Broome County, I think society in general in the U.S. and globally has just gotten softer on drugs. I mean, maybe it's a good thing, maybe not, but I think that's the trend. Well, it's it's a very, very bad thing. Uh, you know, as Jerry Brown once said, how are we going to compete with China if we're stoned? Uh, look, th- this is a joke. And and by the way, Bob, I, never, I wrote a few uh, legislators uh, on this... Uh, giving these licenses to uh, people that have been incarcerated for cannabis, uh, I wrote them and, and with one simple question. Uh, how come uh, people convicted of bookmaking didn't get any piece of the sports betting industry? And uh, to date, I've gotten no answer. All right. Well, keep me posted. As you know, sometimes they will respond. That's John from Binghamton, 941 at News Radio WNBF. Don't touch that dial. More calls are ahead. 607-772-1290. I'm Bob Joseph, the one person who really is on your side. From News Radio, WNBF. I got part. WNBF at 945. Larry from Kirkwood. Good morning. You're on the air. Boy, this is a funny morning. <laughs> Starts off. It's hilarious, isn't it? Hilarious. <laughs> I called the station. Kathy's talking to me for a second. She goes, oh, wait a minute. I just remembered. I got to check out my time sheet. I go, oh, okay. You want to get rid of me? <laughs> and then <laughs> I'm waiting here to talk to you. And all of a sudden, here it says, what? And I think my phone's going crazy. <laughs> you. Oh, my goodness. Why? What did I do? I just work here. <laughs> what? You make it sound like I did something. No, it's just hilarious. <laughs> well, of course it is, because it's the fabulous Friday edition. It's the first fabulous fall Friday edition, so, of course, we're feeling extra frisky. It's sort bad. of like we're feeling like a bag of cat food. Did you ever have that? Did you ever eat them friskies? Ugh. Yeah, no, no. Head what the cat. heck do they he put in that? But then I turned on the show earlier and don't hear about President Biden or Letitia James. No, 
Alice Cooper. <laughs> I know. I apologize. I uh, no, 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 no. No, I. I, I, I we're going to talk about Tis James and Joe Biden no, no, later in the eyes. program. We know how to hear that wacko woman. Hey, um, hey, now. Is it here's the question? Is it Letitia or Letitia? Because I, I was watching the news last night and somebody's calling her Letitia, and I thought her name is Letitia. And of course, in New York City, because they they're all friends with her, they call her Tish. And I'm like, that doesn't sound respectful. She's an attorney general, and they call her Tish. But I guess it's okay because they're friends. Tish. Yeah. Let's talk about Alice Cooper. Yes, let's. What a very interesting man he is. I mean, you think because of the way he dresses and the kind of music he does, he's just this off-the-wall guy, and he's the most down-to-earth, sweet man you could ever want to meet. Like a long-married man. I think he's been married to his wife over 40 years now, and a Christian man at that, too. I mean, I love that about him. He's a good guy. Well, one of our listeners had said... And it might have been DJ from Binghamton who said basically his wife really saved him because early in his career he was, uh, shall we say, heading in the wrong direction. And it seemed, yeah, yeah. I don't know, yeah, I don't know the whole story about Alice Cooper, but it seemed that he was probably heading sort of in the same direction that too many uh, young entertainers or sports figures look. You know, you, yeah, you're in your yeah. 20s, you're making money. You get a lot of adulation, and therefore one thing leads to another. And before before long, your life is you know consumed with sex, drugs, and rock and roll. Not yeah. that there's anything wrong with that, but at some point it's going to catch up to you. And apparently, the the woman who became his wife really helped turn his life around. Yeah, and the interesting part about him being this character known as Alice Cooper is, it's actually kind of a ministry to him because he's showing people the side of what what it's like to be ungodly in a way, I guess, and and showing the difference between ungodliness and kind of being a godly man, I guess. And I kind of was, when I first heard that, it was like, well, I think you could do, do it a better way there, boy. But I guess, you know, he... I guess it works for him, and um, and well, I, I just wanted to say I really like the guy. He's a nice guy, really is. Well, I see, uh, according to the internet, so it may or may not be true. Wait a second, he once had a thing. I mean, a fling with Raquel Welch. Yeah, that's probably true. Well, uh, well, according according after he separated from one girlfriend. He was briefly linked with Raquel Welch, and then somebody said Cooper rejected her advances. Mm. Oh. And then he ended oh, up he ended up marrying Cheryl Goddard, and evidently, so they got married in 1976. She filed for a divorce, but by mid-1984, they had reconciled, and... Um, Hmm. Anyway, yeah, the more I look, I don't know if anybody has ever written a book, a biography about Alice Cooper. Maybe they have, probably someone has, but it looks just based on what's on the Internet. It looks like he's actually led a very, very interesting life. It sounds, sounds as though that would be a, a very appropriate biography, and who knows, they could probably make um, a movie, a very interesting movie out of Alice Cooper's life story.
Yeah, I would say so. Okay. All right. Have a good day, Bob. Thank you. It's 9.50 from News Radio WNBF. Uh, coming up, we'll be talking about the weather. There's one person in Broome County who can actually do something about the weather. And he is basically the region's weather czar. He's in charge of the weather machine for uh, several counties in upstate New York and northeastern Pennsylvania. Dave Nicosia from the National Weather Service will be joining us in less than 30 minutes right here on News Radio 1290, appropriately on the first full day of the autumn season. So we'll talk about some weather things, weather trends. Heck, heck, I think I think the next two weeks are going to be busy from a weather standpoint. I'll ask, and that'll be one of the things I'll ask Dave Nicosia about. Do you think the next two weeks will be busy at the National Weather Service office, Hyatt Mount Ettrick? I think I know the answer. We'll find out. Coming up live right here on WNBF, 92.1 FM, 1290 AM, and streaming at WNBF.com. Has the stock... Didn't see that coming. Didn't see any thunderstorms in the current forecast or in the hazardous weather advisory. But you could call that a pop-up thunderstorm. These things can materialize suddenly, and you never know. When lightning could strike, always be careful. That's advice from WNBF. Grapple, but (laughs) who knows? I don't know. Sounds like something Paul Schaefer would write. It's 9.57 WNBF. Well, it's weather day here at the station, and I guess, as you know, that means the person in charge at the National Weather Service Binghamton office will be joining us in about 20 minutes to talk about the weather. Yes, Lots of people talk about the weather, but very few people bother to do anything about it. Here's the official forecast from the National Weather Service. Mostly cloudy today with a chance of showers. Mainly before 11 a.m. High 55. Then tonight, mostly clear, low 40. Tomorrow, mostly sunny. High 66. Sunday, mostly cloudy, some showers likely in the afternoon, high 65. And right now, in downtown Binghamton, it's 48 at News Radio WNBF, 9 Celsius. 
I believe. Actually, let me verify that. Wouldn't it be funny if it's not? Nine Celsius. It's eight point eight 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 nine Celsius. So round off, right? Rounding to nine Celsius. News Radio WNBF WNBF dot com. Now, speaking of hazardous weather, as we sometimes do in the business of broadcasting, patchy frost will be possible tonight into early tomorrow morning, mainly in the colder rural valleys. Frost could kill. sensitive outdoor vegetation if left uncovered so if any of your outdoor vegetation is sensitive be sure to cover it and if it's still sensitive try to get some professional help because sometimes outdoor vegetation even if it is sensitive can sometimes make progress with a few sessions with a trained professional Oh, don't be so sensitive, outdoor vegetation. Don't worry, I'll cover you. Eh, but I'm afraid. I'm afraid the frost. The frost. Again, right now in downtown Binghamton, it's officially 48 at News Radio, WNBF, WNBF.com. Good news is there's no snow in the forecast for the next three months, so I think we'll. Be able to enjoy some snow-free weather, at least through December 23rd, (laughs) he said, unconvincingly. But that would be nice. Remember what happened in December two years ago? I believe it was December 20th when we were greeted with about 50 or 60 inches of snow, mainly in Newark Valley. So let's hope we don't see a repeat of that. It's 10 o'clock. This is Bob Joseph on WNBF Binghamton. Where news breaks first. News Radio 1290 WNBF. Here's Kathy White. Good morning. It's 44 degrees at 10.04. Winds out of the north at 18 miles an hour, steady gusting to 30 miles an hour, and it feels like it's about 36. Mostly sunny today and a high in the mid-50s. A Brooklyn man convicted in 2018 of murder in Binghamton is not going to be out of prison anytime soon. The Broome County District Attorney's Office says the New York State Supreme Court Appellate Division has upheld the conviction of 27-year-old Jabari Ash and his sentence of 25 years to life in prison for gunning down Taekwon gums behind a home on Fayette Street. Investigators had said... Ash shot Gums on the evening of April 28, 2017, since he believed the Binghamton man had been involved in killing his friend, Brandon Hernandez, days earlier at an off-hours club on Orton Avenue. News accounts at the time said the victim's family offered emotional testimony during the trial and during the sentencing, and Judge Joseph Colley commented on Ash's cold lack of compassion kicking Gum's body after shooting him. Ash had been sentenced to a prison term of 25 years to life on his conviction of murder and a concurrent prison time of 15 years, followed by five years post-release supervision for his conviction on criminal possession of a weapon. Ash appealed, claiming the verdict was not supported by sufficient evidence. The appellate division determined that even with the challenge presented by Ash, there was still sufficient evidence for the jury to reach a guilty verdict and that the rulings and jury instructions during the trial were proper. The district attorney's office notes the process was long and arduous, but it ensured justice for Gums and his family. WMBF News Time 1006. 
A Skinevis man is now accused of rape. New York State Police say 56-year-old Francesco Carlanuto had been arrested September 8th for promoting a sexual performance by a child and possessing a sexual performance by a child before being arrested for felony rape on Saturday. Authorities say they had arrested Carlanuto on the initial counts after a visit to the Otsego County man's home found images indicating child exploitation by way of the Internet. The rape charge filed Saturday comes after investigators say they learned that Caratanuto forcibly engaged in sexual intercourse with a victim several years ago. He already was being held in the Otsego County Jail for the previous charges. Following his arraignment on the new felony rape charge, Caratanuto was returned to the county jail. Bail on the initial charges had been set at $20,000. Now, authorities had said while they were at that man's property in the town of Maryland on the 8th, they found seven adult dogs that had lacked adequate food, water, or shelter. Those dogs were turned over to the care of the Otsego County Society for Prevention of Cruelty to Animals, and Caratanuto was also charged with the New York State Agriculture and Market Law of overdriving, torturing, and injuring animals. That count is a misdemeanor. WMBF News Time 1007. New York State Police are looking for a suspect whose unique fashion sense may might give him away in connection with the theft of an employee's only computer from the Best Buy store in the shops at Ithaca in Lansing. A bald, muscular black man is seen on surveillance video sporting a dark T-shirt with a white cartoon character on the front depicting what appears to be a muscle-bound man lounging in a chair with some unidentifiable writing under the picture. The suspect appears to be of average height and was wearing dark-colored pants that appear to be jeans. The news release from the state police provides no approximate age, height, or weight of the suspect. The state police say the man seen in the surveillance pictures is believed to be have, suffered, have stuffed a laptop that can only be used with employee credentials under his shirt at around 1.44 p.m. on September 18th. The suspect is believed to have left the scene in a black sport utility vehicle. The computer is a silver HP Envy laptop and, again, is specifically set up so it can only be used by Best Buy employees and needs to be accessed by employee credentials. Anyone with information is asked to contact New York State Police in Ithaca at 607-347-4441. The Broome County Traffic Safety Program is offering a free car safety child seat check tomorrow at the Endicott Fire Station. Registered technicians will be providing information, helping with seat installation and checking child safety seats in vehicles starting at 9 a.m. The event caps off Child Passenger Safety Week. Tomorrow's event is scheduled to run from 9 a.m. until noon. WMBF Newstime 1009. The WMBF Twin Tiers forecast for the greater Binghamton area today, mostly sunny, a high in the mid-60s. Tonight, mostly clear, a low around 40. Now, the National Weather Service in Binghamton has issued a frost advisory to our east for areas like Delaware and Otsego counties. That is from uh, midnight tonight until 8 o'clock tomorrow morning, where temperatures in those areas could dip into the mid to lower 30s. For Saturday, mostly sunny, a high in the mid-60s. Sunday, mostly cloudy, a 60% chance of afternoon showers, a high in the mid-60s. Monday, partly sunny, a 50% chance of showers, a high in the mid-60s. And Tuesday, partly sunny, a 50% chance of showers, and a high in the low 60s. Currently, it's 44 in Binghamton, feels more like 36 with a north wind at 18 miles an hour, gusting to 30. It's 10:11 where news breaks first news radio 1290 wmbf wmbf.com and 92.1 fm
WNBF, WNBF.com. It's weather day in Binghamton, as designated by me, because of the authority that I got from the FCC. Of course, they're going to have a conversation with that when they hear this broadcast. Why does it seem so inviting? Autumn in New York It spells the thrill Classy radio station, WNBF. <laughs> I'm your staff announcer. It's Bob Joseph, 1013, and it is indeed Weather Day in Binghamton. It's the first full day of autumn, 2022. And in a moment, we'll be speaking with David Nicosia, the meteorologist in charge of the National Weather Service office at the Greater Binghamton Airport, high atop Mount Ettrick. So that's coming up next. We'll talk about a few things in uh, the wide world of weather, live and local, right here on News Radio, WNBF and WNBF.com. Hey, business. about the weather, of course. That is a wonderful song. And um, Natalie Merchant, 10,000 Maniacs. As regular listeners know, if you hear that song, it probably means we're going to speak with Dave Nicosia, who joins us in the studio this morning. Good morning, Bob. Hold on. You know, okay, now it'll work. Yeah. Good morning, Bob. So how long has it been since you've actually been in the WNBF studio? Oh, it's been a while. You've, there's a fresh coat of paint down here. and Look, it looks the, really nice. The cityscape. <laughs> I commissioned that cityscape that work. That's absolutely yeah. beautiful. Yeah, it's been that long. <laughs> it has been that long. So anyway, welcome back. Yeah, it's great to be here. And, uh, of course, one thing that happens uh, since you were actually last in the studio, of course, we've spoken with you many times by phone, um, but... In the middle of the pandemic, I believe, uh, in in mid-2021, you were promoted to uh, oversee the National Weather Service office here at Binghamton. You are now the meteorologist in charge. Yes, I am. Yep. And it's great. I'm going to have a great staff up there and 
you know, it's it really is an honor to to run the office. And like I said, I've just we have such a good staff up there, it makes my job easy. About how many people currently work out of the the Binghamton office? Ooh, I think we're at twenty one right yeah. now. Twenty one people mm-hmm. hiring. Ah, uh, we have two two new people coming on board soon. So, mm-hmm. are people still interested in uh, going? For a weather career, what's your sense? Say over, over last the last few decades, is there a greater interest today for people who may, young men and women who are deciding what they want to do with their lives? Do you think that uh, more people are interested in meteorology than than when you got into the field? Oh yeah, absolutely. Because when I when I was young, I liked the weather, and I, I was I was a nerd. I mean, I'm still a nerd, but I was really a nerd back then because <laughs> I liked the weather. Now today, it's, it's people actually think it's kind of cool. Believe it or not, you know, people like the weather; they're interested. I mean, back in when I was young, many, many, many years ago, uh, it just seemed like the weather just didn't get the coverage. And I think once the Weather Channel started, and you started seeing. I think people just got interested in the weather. So, yes, we were seeing a lot of people going into meteorology and a lot of schools, a lot of colleges now have meteorology as a program. So it has expanded dramatically, really, I would say. I had to look this up because I I wasn't sure the exact year. The Weather Channel actually started operations 40 years ago. Yeah. May 1982. Do you remember those early days of the Weather Channel? Actually, I don't, Bob, because where I grew up, we didn't have this thing called cable TV. <laughs> we just had the networks, and no, so I don't remember uh, those early days because I did not have access to it. Well, I do, and someday if I can pull out of my VHS archives, because I know you still apparently have a working VHS machine, correct? Barely. Well, same here. But I have a tape. I don't know if it's from the first day that the Weather Channel went on, May 2nd, 1982. It may have been the first day. It was definitely the first week. And since you never had the opportunity to see it, it's amazing to see how bare bones the operation was when they got started now or then compared to all the technology that they have access to right now and it's not just advanced satellite technology but all sorts of things that they currently use including dare i say some things i just find too gimmicky but i also understand it's a tv channel so Yes, they inform, but sort of like this program, we inform and also entertain. But it's amazing to see the strides that have been made in terms of the presentation of the Weather Channel over the last 40 years. Yeah, they've they've made weather entertaining, and it is. I mean, you know, it is entertaining. There's a lot of neat things that happen, obviously. we've, We've talked many times about different types of weather it's just really interesting and a lot of a lot of uh kids are going into meteorology these days so we have quite a a pool of applicants when we when we advertise a job especially an entry-level position we get quite a quite a few applicants so we're never hurting to get people to come work work with us so that's good for listeners who don't know you grew up basically in binghamton's backyard you grew up in athens athens pennsylvania yeah. yep that's that's where i grew up yeah i remember i remember the the weather i've been watching the weather in this area for geez, just about my whole life <laughs> well i started out that way too probably about at your age i was fascinated by the weather and i remember i still because the the phone number the main public phone number for the national weather service hasn't changed in decades and i remember as a kid calling that 
And if you called during certain hours, they had a recording which included, you know, the statistics it was up, uh, usually updated. I think once a day, so it would give you the previous day's highs and lows and precipitation and and those sort of things. And if you stayed on till the end of the recording, after about sixty seconds or so, if you were lucky and a meteorologist wasn't tied up with something, the meteorologist who was on duty would pick up and you could actually ask some questions. And I did that as a as a kid. But I remember, (laughs) you know, I was probably um, about 12 years old because for a time, for months, I kept all sorts of weather statistics. Hmm. So I was sort of, yes, I had this fascination with radio and with news, but also as a subset, I had a fascination about the weather. And I I have to say, looking back to all those years ago, I was uh, now more than ever, I'm, I'm very impressed that almost always when... Uh, one of the meteorologists would pick up the phone. They clearly could tell, well, here's a kid asking all these questions about the weather, but they were very, very kind and patient. And I think they understood that, you know, they because probably in some cases they identified at, with a kid, even a pre-teenager who had a, a weather fascination because it probably resonated with them in some cases. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, yeah, that's definitely the truth. I mean, it's... Uh, the reason why I was, you know, I was talking about have such a great staff is the dedication that they show. They love the weather. I mean, they're doing what they love. And, you know, when you're supervising people that are doing something they really enjoy, it's, it's not that hard at all. They're, they're actually a very great bunch. And we, we're up there 24 hours a day, seven days a week, 365 days a year. So we, we never close. So the weather never stops, and we never stop. Well, fortunately, I would be very concerned if I ever hear the federal government <laughs> saying, well, you know, with advancements in, in automation and uh, artificial intelligence, we've decided we can basically de-staff uh, certain regional weather offices, say, during so-called slow weather periods or maybe on weekends or whatever. And I'm thinking, let's hope that never comes to that. I mean, technology, who knows where it ultimately will lead. But I think, especially for a regional office like here in Binghamton that's responsible for forecasting for dozens of counties, I think it's critical that there be people there always. Yeah, and we have the whole nation's covered with we have 122 forecast offices. So we have the Binghamton office here, but there's another... 121 other weather forecast offices that blanket the entire nation, even our territories, too, as well. Puerto Rico, um, Guam, and actually American Samoa has a forecast office as well. And we have them up in Alaska, too. So we're all over in Hawaii as well. So they're, and, and they, we have the same mission, protect lives and property, you know. How has forecasting changed since you started with the Weather Service? Oh, my goodness. A I know lot. you could talk about that for hours, <laughs> but give us a, a, a couple of thoughts on on how the technology, how advancements in technology and overall approaches have, have uh, evolved over the last few decades. All right. I'll just put it very simply because I can go on on this one. But the, back when I started 31 years ago, you didn't have enough information. It just, we didn't have the computer capacities. You know, we didn't have what we have today when it comes to computers, uh, technology, satellite, radar technology. So it was like we were always wishing for more information before we can make a forecast. We wish we had more information. So you just had to make the best forecast with limited information. Today, 
It's the opposite. We have too much information. There's too much. So the, the forecasters have to wade through all this information and find what's relevant for our force. So it's actually the opposite problem because of technology. There's just way too much. What about forecast models? I, I hear there's a European model, there's uh, an Egyptian model, an Iraqi model, a Mexican. And I'm thinking, like, first, who comes up with these models and how come I never get to see them? I, You know, it's like, who, you know, and, and do they have a first name? You know, I'm thinking, like, the European model must be Monique or something. No, it's the European model. That's what they call it, the, the European uh, it's run the European Center for Meteorological Services or something. They run it's it's a conglomerate in Europe. They run the European model, and then um, the United Kingdom, UK Met. That's another model. The United Kingdom. I mean, there's so many. I could go on and on and on. I mean, every most countries try to run their own computer models. I mean, so we what, have access to a lot of those models. So what is, I mean, does the United States or the National Weather Service have a proprietary model? None of we share our models for the most part. I mean, we we've got a, the United States. We we don't we have a, a slew of models. To be honest, the numerical weather prediction models, what they're called. Uh, so we've got like the global forecast system. We've got the North American mesoscale model. I mean, those are just two among many others. We have the high resolution rapid refresh model i mean you you just go on and on we have so many in fact i think the united states probably has most runs we run a ton of models so that's run uh down in our modeling center in washington dc and they distribute these models not only to the weather service but to everybody i mean i could after the show, I could probably show you a few websites. <laughs> well, one of these days, it won't be today, but one of these days, maybe I can pop up to the, the office there yeah. at Mount Ettrick because it's been a while since I've been that there. That would be I, really cool. I could show you all this stuff. and Yeah, that'd be great. Yeah, I would we, love that. We might be able to do a feature story about some of the things that are utilized by the forecasters here in Binghamton to come up with the forecast. Now, we, we um, I mentioned a moment ago about the Binghamton office being responsible for a significant area, a uh, geographic area here in New York and Pennsylvania. How many counties does the office forecast? 24. So we have 17 here in central New York, and then we got seven in northeast Pennsylvania. So we cover, I mean, just to give you just a broad description, we cover the southern tier all the way out to Steuben County. So we have Elmira Corning, uh, Bath, Hornell, that area. We have most of the counties in the Finger Lakes. Uh, so that goes up to Auburn, you know, Penyan, et cetera. And then we have the Syracuse area. Uh, and then we go up to Oneida County, Boonville, the northern Oneida County, where the, the lake effect hits. And then we come down to the Catskills, Delaware and Sullivan County in New York. And then in Pennsylvania, we have all the northeast counties, including Scranton, Wilkesbury, and the Poconos. And we have we go to Bradford County, which is where I grew up. So. Well, must be nice. You're forecasting for your native county. Absolutely. That's how I feel. I just that, love it. That I, love I grew it. up, I was born in Binghamton, and I've lived in this area all my life. I love reporting for essentially my my native area. There's something about it that, yeah. that makes it special. It's 1030 on a Friday morning here at WNBF, first day of fall. So uh, 904 last night, 
marked the change of the seasons. So did you and, and the entire staff have some sort of seasonal party up at the Weather Service office? I don't know how things work. How, if, you, if you have anything special that marks the uh, transition of seasons. Not really, but we were watching. What was really interesting is the the cold front came through last night as you know it's it's pretty chilly today it feels like fall today right yeah what a what a difference a day makes right and the front came through last evening right around the time when we went to fall season so it was like and that usually never happens by the way you know how we have weather out of season around around this area all the time yeah but yeah it's it's very fall like out there today and it's you know it's the beginning of the long descent in the wintertime. <laughs> well, the way I look at it, when, when I was thinking last night, as as a shiver went up up and down my spine, well, I was uh, out with the dogs last night, and I'm thinking, I told them reassuringly, I said, because by then it was about 9.15, I said, well, only six months till spring, and I'm trying to look at the bright side. Yeah, well, spring around here doesn't start till May. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I know. It's it's always deceptive, and we've had this discussion before about how how snow s- snow in early or even sometimes mid May still can can happen yeah. here in Binghamton. Not usually anything that's going to be plowable, but well, still, true. You know, you still have to. And here's what I worry about is is heating bills this this winter yeah. season. So. This is what people want to know because they know that heating costs, energy costs, no matter how you heat with electricity, natural gas, um, heating oil, must be other ways. Oh, wood. That mm-hmm. reminds me. I have to help a friend stack wood tomorrow morning. Mm-hmm. Um, but so heating costs will be higher this coming heating season than, than last season. So everybody wants to know, is it going to be colder? So will we... <laughs> <laughs> I love asking these questions. I know. I mean, uh, do, do we have any way of hazarding sort of, as they say, an educated guess about, at least early on, as we've talked about before on the program, long-range forecasting is very difficult and it's imprecise. Vir- it's virtually impossible, yeah. to be honest. I mean, we, we give it a shot, but... Yeah, it's hard to tell, but I can tell you this. It will snow, and it will be really cold. <laughs> and, and I can tell you this. When we get the heaviest snow, when we get another 50 or 70 inches in Newark Valley, you're probably going to be on a beach somewhere in the south, you know, watching it remotely on your phone. I'll never live that day. I'll tell you. I'll tell you. That's what happened in December 2020, right? Yeah. Well, the good thing my son, who my son goes, uh, he was home, uh, you know, because he goes to college around here, and... He uh, and I called him. I said, "You better get that snowblower out right now." And this was like right when the band hit over because he stays up late, you right. know. So I called him and I said, "He goes, I just snowblow." He said, "Well, no, you better get back out there." And he said, by the time he finished snowblowing the driveway, the top of the driveway had like four inches of snow. <laughs> well, because I the dog the dogs for some reason my dogs wanted to to go outside. They usually don't, but at about three fifteen on that morning. When this kind of in the middle of of the heavy snow event, so I'm out in the backyard and I'm looking. This isn't just regular snow. It's like it's. I would have guesstimated it could have been coming down at the rate of four or five inches an it hour. Was, heavy. We, wet we were snow. measuring yeah. five inches an hour, which is 
at the airport. They were measuring five inches an hour. Now, I wasn't measuring it. I was back home. Oh, you were sleeping. You South were having, Carolina having and, sweet dreams uh, of, you know. Right of, on the beach, yeah. and it was beautiful. <laughs> and, you know, I, I showed my, my my son texted me some pictures, and I was just, like, saying eh. And when she woke up in the morning, see what we're missing? <laughs> but, yeah, that that was something. But, you know, it, it happens. That was quite quite the storm. Well, and the other thing about that storm, which to me is somewhat intriguing but also goes to prove a point whether sometimes is unpredictable that storm actually happened shortly before official winter not meteorological winter which begins december 1st but when according to the calendar winter didn't begin officially for one or two more days so that was a late autumn storm that you know in some cases i think people reported 44 45 inches mm-hmm. say in parts of tioga county and broome county so you just never know and then Maybe. actually for the rest of that season there weren't any other really really dramatic snow events certainly no, not along not along those lines not along those lines nope it's ten thirty-five. our guest in the studio is dave nicosia meteorologist in charge of the binghamton national weather service office Right now, as we speak, this is a very active time in terms of weather. We saw the devastation that was caused by the hurricane in Puerto Rico and some other places. And that hurricane is not going to be a factor for um, people in mainland United States. But as we look ahead, that hurricane, as it continues to track north, could mean some serious problems for eastern Canada. Yeah, they're really wor- worried about the storm that's going to make landfall in Nova Scotia. If you ever look at a map, Nova Scotia, it- it's literally going to make a 90-degree just barrel right into to Nova Scotia. It's about the worst possible angle. And they're going to they're gonna have high winds, and they're really worried about flash flooding and storm surge and it, it it could be really bad i mean it's very it's not unheard of for a hurricane to hit eastern canada or southeast canada like that it does happen but it's been a while just like uh southern new england really hasn't been hit too hard in the last 30 years so you know it's a good thing it's out there and not not heading towards you know long island or southern new england but you know for up there they they they're preparing now, and it, they've got a, they've got a couple days, and yeah, hopefully, I mean that's the good thing about, and that's why I love doing this job so much is you warn people in advance so they can prepare, and and the, the idea here is to help people protect their as much property as they can. Obviously, in certain situations, there's nothing you can do, but we certainly can protect lives, and that's you know. That's what makes this job so gratifying. So, you know, obviously the, the Environment Canada does the forecasting up there, uh, but they're, you know, just like us, that's their mission too as well, just to save people's lives. And, yeah, so they're they're preparing. So let's hope, keep our fingers crossed that nobody loses their lives up there. Next up, though, for us, Tropical Depression 9. Now, is that going to be a problem for uh, people here in Broome and Tioga oh, counties? Oh, boy. It's too early to call that one. <laughs> I'm, see, after, trust me, after 2011, every time I hear anything, especially ominous, Tropical Depression 9, I'm going, well, that's not good. So now I'm worried, and I know, I, I can certainly appreciate I'm asking this question prematurely, but... Give our listeners a sense of what is going on now in the Caribbean Sea and potentially what that could mean in in 
the days ahead. First of all, um, there are other systems, too, that are, I mean, it's so active at this time. It's been a, a quiet tropical uh, or hurricane season so far, but now all of a sudden we're seeing activity pick up. So give us an overview of the, the latest information that you know about Tropical Depression 9 and potentially what it could mean for parts of the United States. Yeah, right now the official forecast, and I just looked at it before I came in the studio to get the latest, um, but they do have it developing into a pretty significant storm, um, and it, it, they expect it to become a tropical storm, and I believe it's going to be Herm, Hermione, I think. Her, yeah, well, they unless said they, I'm, Unless I'm pronouncing that wrong. Yeah, and, and they also said they weren't positive from a naming thing. Some of this all depends on timing because there's another system, too, that potentially could right. get in ahead in terms of getting exactly. a name. Exactly, and so, then they would go to whatever the I, I name is. Yeah. I'm not sure what that is, to be honest. Yeah, I don't I, have I don't the recall. list in front of me. But, yeah, if it... They expect it to become a tropical storm and then eventually become a hurricane. And the latest projection that I saw before before I came in the studio, so it could be updated. I mean, they're, they constantly update these forecasts. Uh, had it making landfall somewhere. If it's going to make landfall in the United States, the highest chance at this point would be southwest Florida. Uh, would be Tuesday morning. So we, we're five days out, and a lot could happen in five days, Bob. I mean, it, it, it could go, it it could just not recurve, and then it hits Central America. It could just fall apart. I mean, there's so many things that could happen. But most of our computer models and the ones we were talking about earlier um, are showing this storm coming right up and crossing the western part of Cuba and heading towards southwest Florida. So that is where the official uh, National Hurricane uh, Center's forecast has the storm going at this point. But, again, it's five days out, and but, a lot could happen in five days. So so let's see, five days. But So it's September 23rd. I'm just trying to figure out, because I'm going to make reservations for my ARC. <laughs> so if I go to ARC World on the parkway and put in, you know, because obviously I'll want it for at least four or five days. So... If if something were to, to happen, and it ultimately did have a uh, potential to affect this part of the United States, northeast, say, uh, Pennsylvania, New York State, judging the way things usually go, how, how long would that be? A week? Probably be about a week, yeah. But I, I can tell you, at least, again, this is looking at the data that, I'm, that was run this morning, um, doesn't, it looks like it probably would stay east of us that's at least right now but right. again there's a lot of time and there's many things that can happen there's many scenarios and the, the further out you go the more uncertain things become because that's just the way sure. the weather is i mean if it, you know but everybody wants us precise you know and, and we fight this well, especially all, the media we fight this all the time i mean it's you, like, you, you know, know seven when... days from now boy there's a lot of things that could happen well, i'll tell you what <laughs> exactly it's it, I could tell you one. I'll tell you one thing, and I, I, I know this is likely not going to happen. But there was one run a couple days ago, so it would have been a ten-day forecast that had the storm coming up the coast, and it pulled enough cold air in that that the mountains in New England and northern New York had snow. 
Well, somebody said there was snow even this morning overnight in parts of upstate New York in the Adirondacks. Would, oh, maybe in the Adirondacks. Yeah. So that's that's north of my forecast yeah. area, so I haven't. I didn't yeah, really I th- see I that. Think I saw that, a tweet. that would not surprise mm-hmm. me if the high elevations up there. That wouldn't surprise me because they start getting their first snows very early. We're talking way up there in elevation. I mean, if four or five thousand feet, it, it's probably already snowed already because it's a different world up there. Well, and that's the thing about elevation. And as this is talking about way outside your forecast area, but I'm sure you have the appreciation as as most weather aficionados do, say for Mount Washington. I just happened to be wearing <laughs> I, I, my I noticed that. Mount, Washington Mount Washington Observatory. Yes, this is from there. Mm-hmm. And um I remember uh going up there, didn't dare drive up, but we took the cog train up and down. Right. So it's fascinating. But the thing about Mount Washington, everything in that part of New Hampshire can be fine down at, you know, as you're looking up. But say some people, especially people who don't know much about hiking, some people say, oh, I think I'm going to go hike by myself, like a woman actually from Boston did uh, a few years ago. And unfortunately, I believe, I believe she died because she, you know, her boyfriend dropped her off at the bottom of Mount Washington and she was thinking, for some reason, oh, I'm going to go hike to the top and then come back down. And ultimately, I mean, the weather is so different Mm -hmm. all the time at Mount Washington. And sometimes the weather, even in July and August, at the top of Mount Washington, can be terrible. Yes, indeed. It's one of our uh, our forecasters in Binghamton that we hired – worked on the observatory for six years so i have heard all the stories and i'll tell you what if you're ever planning on going hiking up there you have got to be prepared because you you kind of touched upon it often mount washington is in the clouds okay so think about the and it's windy up there okay so even in the middle of summer it could be 48 degrees and now you're in the clouds so there's water droplets all around and the wind's blowing at 50 miles an hour so think about how that would feel after about three or four hours of that you're if you're not if you're dressed in summer clothes you're not going to fare very well and people don't realize that because at the base of the mountain it might be 70 75 degrees and beautiful and then they get up into the clouds and the wind is really blowing up there and it might be no wind in the valley so yeah it's and he was telling me that there are times where a lot of their rescues and a lot of their people get in trouble is during you know the warmer season because people don't realize how bad it really can be up there so well they don't do they don't do their homework yeah so you really need to do yeah absolutely you need to do your homework you you just otherwise you know there's believe me i've heard a lot of he's a very interesting very interesting guy and he he has a lot of stories, and the photos from up there are amazing. So I can see why people want to go up there. Well, sure. But, uh, yeah, it's, uh, it's quite, a, quite a place. So, yeah, the higher in elevation you go, the worse the weather gets. So did he ever have to spend the winter months sequestered up there? Oh, yeah. Yeah. because they seven days in a row, and then they go off the mountain. You know, so, yeah, he's, he's been up there. Yeah, I ought to have him come. I ought to have him come down and yeah, talk to you. Yeah, would I would brilliant. love to do that sometime in the not too distant future because I find Mount Washington fascinating for a number of reasons, including the dramatic weather changes. They they claim to have the what what is the, it the, the most world's, the world's most the world's, the world's worst, worst weather, weather yeah, is what it says man. on the sweatshirt. 
And that's not just a brand. It, it usually, I mean, there have been a few places with individually worse weather statistics, but I think at, at one point they recorded a wind gust of 234 miles per hour before the, the equipment blew away. Yeah, 234 is the world's record. Yeah. So, yeah. And, yeah, yeah, he... He's very interesting, and he's an outstanding meteorologist, so we're really happy to have him on board. Yeah, we'll, we'll set something up with him. It's 1046. We're talking weather with Dave Nicosia of the National Weather Service. What's the most common question that you get asked as a meteorologist? Oh, boy, that's a good one. <laughs> now, one thing I know is as soon as people find out that you're with the Weather Service, they're not... They're not uh, afraid to complain about New York's weather, are they? Yeah. I, I, well, boy, I don't even know how to answer that question because I've had there's so many ways I can answer that question. I guess I, not necessarily questions, but um, well, yeah. A lot of times I'll be like, "Can you make it nice this week?" I'm, you know, I'm, I'm, my daughter's getting married this weekend. I need. I'm ordering nice weather. It's like they think I have the master control knobs in my office, and I'm gonna sit there and I'm gonna, you know change the way you know make make the weather for them nice and it's like eh. i mean obviously they're joking but well as um, i joke i when, when before the before 10 o'clock i was like everybody talks about the weather but only one man in binghamton <laughs> controls the oh, weather boy. machine so, so, you're, so you're fueling this <laughs> because i'm the media you know using using the voice the sinister sounding voice dave nicosia uh the most common question, I think, is around this time of year, how much snow are we going to have? Are we going to have a very serious, are we going to have a really bad winter? That's probably the most common question, and it's a tough one to answer, unfortunately. Um, I, that's what I'd say probably is the most common. Then I always hear the, must be nice to have a job where you could be wrong 50% of the time and still get paid. <laughs> Well, I, I hear people say things like that about meteorologists and baseball players. That's right. Yeah. And I'm thinking like, well, and I think most people who say it are saying it tongue-in-cheek because it, they're not oblivious to, to, to the whole what the real mission is, whether it's weather forecasting right. or playing baseball. They understand that, yeah, inevitably, there, there is – yeah, you're not going to hit every, every pitch ball out of the park, and you're not going to nail every forecast. Yeah, but we nail more, more than – I would say it's, we're a little bit – I know some people bat 300. We bat closer to, like, 900. Yeah. <laughs> About 9 out of 10. Maybe but, 9. You know, that's roughly what, where our stats are. But as they say, sometimes, sometimes a forecast will bust. It just, it will. It, it happens. Yeah. Otherwise, it could be all computer generated. I mean, if, you, if forecasts were perfect, we wouldn't need people. The computer models, everything would just run, and it just would be, so you need people to interpret what's going on and to realize oh my goodness this is this is going south we got to change the forecast so well, i'm sure elon musk as soon as he gets his uh, self-driving car <laughs> technology perfected that's his next task you know tesla <laughs> tesla weather forecasting division you know but be, he hasn't been able to get i'll his... be retired by then <laughs> <laughs> we'll all be retired by then it's 10:49. we're talking weather with uh, dave nicosia of the national weather service Weather warnings are critical, and for many years you were the warning coordination meteorologist here in Binghamton, mm-hmm. pushing out the warnings and getting the information to the people in the path of potentially dangerous weather. That's a very important mission of the Weather Service. Yes. And, of course, over the years, 
things have changed in terms of technology. Now people can get information from so many sources besides traditional radio and TV, now online, now even on their phones. Tell me a bit about the technology that alerts us on the phone, because I know even in among professional meteorologists, it's a system that still is is a work in progress. Efforts are, are being developed to um, tweak the system and, and make it more accurate in terms of, say, if a warning is issued by the Binghamton Weather Service office, that people who are actually in the warning area will see that on their phones and there won't be as many warnings that, that would go out to people, say, if, if they're not actually in an area that's, that's going to be affected. Yeah, that's the uh, Wireless Emergency Alerts uh, Program, and you know, it's really run by the FCC, obviously. Uh, but what we do, our forecasters will draw a polygon, literally on a computer screen, of the area that's expected to maybe see a tornado or a flash flood or even a severe thunderstorm. Um, and then the idea is anybody who has a cell phone that is in that polygon. And, it, and it's the idea here is to not have the warning bleed out to areas that they don't need it. So they, they pick the area where they think the, the hazardous weather is most likely. And the idea is your phone, if you're in that area, will go off and give you the information. And, you know, the, the technology is still evolving. Um, so we're... Right now, there still could be some overreach with that because the cell towers are not completely aligned. But the new, there's going to be a new version of it that comes out that uses GPS and everything. So that is going to continue to improve. Uh, and the idea here is to not, like if a storm's not going to be in your backyard, but it's going to be in my backyard, I get the warning on my phone and you don't get the warning on your phone. That's, that's where the ultimate goal is. And right now, we're doing... We're going to be doing them for severe thunderstorms, tornadoes, flash floods, and snow squalls. So we, we've, we've got that program is expanding, and I think it's a great program because the idea here is let people know. When people see things on their phone, they're always looking at their phone, right? I mean, wherever you go, everybody's looking at their phone. All of a sudden, their phone is telling them, wait a minute, there's a, you know, there's a tornado. It's like, whoa, people, people do listen to that. People do listen to that, so that's a very effective way of reaching people. So, and that that technology continues to evolve. So, do many people still rely on weather radio, including my all-time favorite weather station, WXL three eight, WXL thirty eight, one sixty two point four seven five megahertz. You got it. Uh, yeah, people do, and you know the weather radio. The nice thing about weather radio is it's just it's continuous weather information, twenty four hours a day, seven days a week, and you know you get the forecast, you get the current conditions, any watches, warnings, or advisories that are in effect. Yeah, it's it's a it's a great resource, and you know what? There are times where it's nice to have weather radio because when the power goes out, <laughs> and you, and and most weather radios have a battery backup, right? So you could still get the weather information. So, yeah, weather radios, check it out. You just just go on Google and just type NOAA weather radio, and you could find a whole bunch of really neat neat little models. And nice thing, you can carry them with you outdoors. They have uh, mobile units, and you just, you're constantly plugged in, and if a warning comes out, you get it that way too as well. I'm still waiting for the new jingle package. If you get a jingle package for WXL38 from Jam in Dallas, I mean, 
WXL3A, all weather, all the time. I mean, something like that. Uh, yeah. It's an automated voice, actually. I, I know. I, we, we run, our office runs 13 broadcasts in our 24-county area. And we do not have the people to sit there and broadcast continuously. Like I'll volunteer that. to be your, your new morning man. Every Monday through Friday from 6 to 8, you know, uh, weather, bo- weather no, bomb. They, have actually, they actually have automated that part, unfortunately. Uh, I w- I would, you know, I'll be taking weather calls and, you know, we'll have a contest. When will the first measurable snow be here at Mount Ettrick? You know, we'll give away... Um, a thousand dollars, you know. Uh, wait, wait, where's that money going to come from? <laughs> That's a good question. Yes, from my own personal largesse. Uh, it's ten fifty four. By the way, I did confirm. Uh, Greg Pollock, who used to be a forecaster here in Binghamton, now he's forecasting, I believe, for a TV station in San Antonio. But he okay. he retweeted um, a tweet posted just half an hour ago from Whiteface Mountain. You know where that is. Oh, yeah. Lake Placid. So they uh, tweeted something. First snow of the season. They they sent a clip. It's snowing there. It says, get your skis and boards ready. Ski season will be here before you know it. Yeah. You like to ski. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's so, been a while, right. honestly. I'll be honest, it's been a few years. But, oh, yeah. Ski season. Yeah. I mean, it's... That's the nice thing about here. We have some really beautiful resorts around here. And, yeah, we get lots of snow and... We live in that that area, so yeah. So, what else can people expect going forward at the National Weather Service office? Is there any new technology or new initiatives that that you're expecting, say, in the next year or so at at the local office? Uh, not really. I mean, you know, we're they're launching a new satellite, uh, but that's going to be a, a couple years before we get that imagery. Um, yeah, there's all kinds of new programs that we're running, and it's it's just it's a it's an evolution in time. I mean, they're, they're constantly updating our computer models and you know, computer systems and everything. So, yeah, I mean, there's no big initiative at this point, but we do have a new director uh, of the Weather Service. His name is Ken Graham, and he he just started there, and he's got a really nice vision for us and actually he is talking we are starting the conversation about replacing our radars sometime in the next 10 to 15 20 years well that would be a massive that would be a massive undertaking yeah and that's why they're starting to talk about it now because it takes about 15 to 20 years to get you know the technology's there but you get the funding to get there's just so much that has to 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 come together, including technology as well. Uh, but that's the idea is around 2040-ish, which I'll be retired by then, uh, but we will have a whole new radar system and everything here in Binghamton. So that's the idea. Right now, the radar we have, they've gone through what is called the Service service Life Extension Program. So they're replacing everything. And this is the last one they're going to do. And then the idea is, it's no, you know, it's it's not cost effective to you know so the idea is just to have a whole new system and and they're starting to begin planning for that so that's kind of exciting but that's down the road quite a ways (laughs) dave nicosia of the national weather service always a pleasure the next time you visit us in the studio natalie merchant might be here oh that would be (laughs) i thought she'd be here today bob (laughs) yeah she got, got 
tied up on the 201. She's probably going to get here at 1130. Thank you for your time. Hope you have a great weekend. Oh, you too, Bob. Happy fall. It's 1057. Bob Joseph at News Radio, WNBF and WNBF.com. As the stock local on your Friday morning. Bob Joseph on News Radio, WNBF Binghamton, 92.1 FM, 1290 AM. Where news breaks first. News Radio, 1290 WNBF. Here's Kathy White. We've got a chilly first full day of autumn today, a chance of some lingering showers around. We'll get some clearing skies and some temperatures into the mid-50s. Far cry from the 70s we've been enjoying just a few days ago. And it is time to start thinking about your tender vegetation again. The National Weather Service in Binghamton has issued a frost advisory for parts of the eastern southern tier down to the Catskills for tonight. NOAA has issued the advisory starting from midnight until 8 a.m. on Saturday for Delaware, northern Oneida, Sullivan, and Otsego counties. Tender outdoor plants should be covered or moved inside as temperatures in the advisory area are expected to drop to between 37 and 33 degrees. The coldest areas with a potential for frost formation will be the rural sheltered locations. What was left of a burned-out two-family home on the first ward of City of Binghamton is finally being demolished. The house at 44 Lake Avenue that was heavily damaged by fire in February has been called an eyesore and an attractive nuisance for more than seven months. The woman who owned the building suffered smoke inhalation when the fire broke out in a downstairs apartment on February 5th. She and two people who lived at the other unit were left homeless by the blaze. City Code Enforcement Supervisor Christopher Schleider last month sent a letter to advise Allison London, that the fire department had determined her building was 75% damaged. Schleider added that the city engineer, Ronald Lake, had declared the building to be structurally compromised. London was ordered to demolish the house by September 15th, but the city ultimately hired Gorick Construction Company to do the job. The city of Binghamton is finally being given the green light to begin proceedings to gain ownership of the rundown Binghamton Plaza on the north side. Mayor Jared Cram yesterday announced the city's plan to exercise exercise eminent domain on the property had been held up by bankruptcy court proceedings by the owners Binghamton Plaza Incorporated. The 2019 bankruptcy filing had stayed any action by the city until a court on Wednesday dismissed Chapter 11 case that had been showing little progress in the three years that the case had been active. At the time of the original announcement, the Binghamton Plaza Inc. owed $400,000 in property taxes that had been reduced in litigation from the original $739,000 in back taxes. The ruling this week clears the way for the city to start the eminent domain proceedings in the next few weeks. Mayor Cram says the city plans to work with the businesses that are still in the plaza, but the goal is to raise the property and remove the crumbling parking lot in order to draw new development. Many municipalities in our area have been struggling with those plazas that have been built on former landfills and had problems with sinking as the soil settled. Some wildlife watchers in parts of New York State are feeling vindicated as they are not the case of the boy who cried wolf. It really was a wolf. After New York State Department of Environmental Conservation officials maintained a large canine killed by a hunter in Otsego County last winter was probably a coyote or coyote mix, new information is coming that the animal was indeed a wolf. The DEC is confirming that a review this week of the DNA evidence contradicts their initial analysis. Environmental 
officials say this is only the third wolf identified in the wild in New York State in 25 years. The wolf was killed in Cherry Valley, about 40 miles west of Albany last winter. It still remains a mystery as to where the animal came from, even though its species has been confirmed. Environmental experts speculate the wolf likely traveled from the Great Lakes area. There's also the possibility someone was keeping it as an illegal pet and it escaped or was turned loose when it, like most wild animals people try to keep as pets, became too much to handle. Like continued reports of cougar sightings in New York that have come under insistence by wild experts that big cats do not exist in the Empire State, residents have continued to report seeing and hearing the eerie howl of what they believe are wolves in upstate New York. If wolves are identified as being present in New York, officials will have to make provisions for a federal protected species. The WMBF Twin Tiers forecast Today is looking at gradual clearing with temperatures only in the mid-50s, winds at 15 miles an hour. There's still about a 50-50 chance of getting some more precipitation in the form of rain. Mostly clear tonight for Binghamton, a low around 40, but once again, the frost advisory to the east in Delaware County, temperatures dipping into the 30s. Mostly sunny on Saturday, a high in the mid-60s. This is where news breaks first. News Radio 1290 WMBF. WMBF.com and 92.1 FM. News Radio 1290 WMBF. Live and local, Friday morning with Bob Joseph, your first program of fall. I think it's good so far. It's going to be better in the next hour when you call us at 607-772-1290 to talk on WNBF. Good morning, and thanks for being with us on your Friday. always appreciate people spending some time, whatever time you have, to listen to us uh, live on the radio from 9 to noon every Monday through Friday morning, or if for some reason you're unable to catch the entire broadcast as it unfolds, you can catch us whenever you want online at WNBF.com with the uh, convenient podcast format sometimes people come up to me and they say raj how does that podcast thing work and i say first of all don't call me surely and secondly i have no idea how it works i just somebody apparently is sitting there in their basement probably some kid about eight years old with a cassette recorder and i assume he's just recording the program and then somehow he has a Dell computer, and then after a few hours, it manages to upload to our website. I guess that's probably how the podcast works. I don't know. I don't know. They always they always have suggested to me when I inquire, they say, you know, stay in your lane. You do the show. You provide the content, and um, 
And what you do, you you just stay on from nine to noon in the little locked studio and do your thing, and then the podcast will magically upload at WNBF.com. And I say, oh, okay. But I still want to know. And they say, yeah, we know you want to know. It's, uh, it's not for you to know. It's none of your business how, how the podcast gets on. Now get back to work. Produce more contents. WNBF, good morning. You're on the air. What's your first name? Where are you calling from? Hi, I, I'm Felix calling from Peoria, Illinois. Well, Felix, I used to see you on The Odd Couples. Yes, yes, thank you for watching. Uh, I was uh, listening to you earlier, and it brought something to mind. You ever have someone who says to you, you know, I'm coming in, I'm flying into town, I'll be coming in to the airport at about midnight, can you pick me up? Oh, my goodness. Or, you've got, I've got a doctor's appointment, you know, they're going to dilate my pupils, could you drive me there and back? See, these are things that friends will have you do and you feel obliged to do them. But I tell you, what might really take the cake is someone saying, hey, this weekend, can you help me stack wood? <laughs> well, I don't know much, but I do know 22 hours and 47 minutes from now, I'll be, I'll be a busy stacking wood. I, uh, wow. I, I've been doing this, I don't know, I've lost track of how many years. It happens, usually happens in late September, although sometimes October. I just happen to check out just to, to ascertain what the situation was, and I, I was able to ascertain. Yes, the load has uh, the wood has been delivered, so, so I know I know it's not going to be canceled tomorrow. The wood is there, waiting to be stacked. So you don't fear spiders or snakes. I didn't say that. Oh. I, I I really, I really don't like snake snakes, spiders. I'm not impressed by snakes. I'm. I won't say I'm petrified by snakes. I just, yeah, you're right. In in a wood pile, you just never know. You never know. But I I always think, well, I always the one thing I always remember is be sure to wear wear work gloves. And I I figure if if I've got gloves on, I'll probably be mostly protected from spiders. As far as snakes, who knows? If I'm not in on Monday, that's because I got taken advantage of by a, a poisonous snake well bob you know the other thing of course don't want to frighten you off but you know deer ticks uh oh jeez you know so so now i have to worry about spider snakes and deer ticks you know all of a sudden i i think i've got covid 23 (coughs) so yeah that'll be my excuse i'll i'll text the location i'm supposed to be there at 10 o'clock on the nose, so I'll text the location at about 9.58 tomorrow morning saying, oh, I'm, I'm not going to be able to make it. Oh, I always say not. You never say, I'm not going to be able to make it. Always say, I'm unable to make it because I think I have COVID-23 and I want to protect you and the other people, the other wood stackers. So have fun. Yeah. Yeah, you know, actually, Bob, uh, for about a year and a half before we uh, bought our uh, house in, in Binghamton, we moved from one place in Binghamton to another. But in the interim, we lived 
up way up on Glenwood Road, you know, the apartment complex up there. And uh, there were so many deer ticks there. I, I'd walk my dog, uh, and three times I was bitten by a deer tick in the year and a half we lived up there. And, uh, you know, I'd call my doctor, and she'd uh, prescribe some antibiotic that you take immediately and so on. But uh, really, you you kind of got have to watch. I don't know about wood piles and whether they they hide deer ticks, but you know it sounds like you're going to have a a nice weekend, and that caught my attention. Well, I'm looking forward to it. I already told the organizer of the festivities that after work today, late this afternoon, I was going to stop by a, a noted donut emporium in Endicott, in the Union District, to pick up donuts. For uh, to go with our coffee tomorrow morning, so that's one thing that I definitely will do because I think the donut emporium is open till six p.m. So I'll get donuts on my way home from work today, and so that way I can leave my place at the appropriate time tomorrow morning and get there at ten o'clock on the nose. The sad thing is my my gambit the the uh, concept that I might claim that I, I think I'm infected with COVID-23, it's not going to work because the person who's organizing this evidently is monitoring the program and just texted with donuts, no cancel. So I guess I, I guess I guess I should have kept my big mouth shut. So I guess I guess there's no no changing that plan. The weather looks good. So I one year and usually usually when I'm committed to something Almost always, I'd say 99% of the time, if I say to someone, okay, I'll be there for wood stacking at 10 o'clock on Saturday morning, I'm almost always there pretty close, pretty close. I, I, I try to always be punctual. And so one year, a few years ago, everybody was mystified. Everybody's like, where's Bob? Where's Bob? Um, and finally, at about 10.06... I got a call, and the question was, "What's what's the problem? Are are you okay?" Because they automatically figured since I wasn't there, and for whatever reason, and it wasn't just total absent-mindedness; it was just a, a simple forgetfulness. I, I hadn't written it down, and as I sometimes do on Saturday mornings, if I have nothing or I think I have nothing that I need to do. I might get up at, at 9 or 9.15 and have coffee and a bagel. And so I'm there. Well, I'm just sitting here having coffee. Well, you know, it's woodstacking day. It's like, oh, you're kidding me. So, it, But trust me, trust me, I, I don't think I'm going to forget tomorrow. If I forget tomorrow, that means I, I'd better better seek prompt medical attention because... I, I know I'm becoming forgetful, but after spending seven minutes talking about it on the program, that would be a real travesty. Yeah. You know, Bob, one other thing, if I may, uh, that I heard just a little while, a little while ago before the news break, the uh, term relating to the Binghamton Plaza, eminent domain. Now, that's an interesting euphemism. I, I love that term, eminent domain. Um and it takes me back thinking historically a few hundred years to manifest destiny. You know, that's 
it's our manifest destiny to take over the Binghamton Plaza. So uh, <clears throat> interesting euphemism, eminent domain, kind of um, a license to, well, whatever, fill in the blank. Here's my theory, and I can't prove it or disprove it because the people that own the place never return phone calls. I've tried over the years, probably for decades, to uh, get the owners of that place to get in touch with me, and, and they don't want nobody there at their global headquarters in New Jersey. Nobody there returns phone calls, so I, I, can't, I can't tell you whether this is the truth. But my sense is that they actually want this to happen, that they've been waiting for the city to take that property and then pay them whatever. It's it's basically I think I think it seems fairly clear to me this is their exit strategy. They have had really no serious interest in investing in the property. I guess when people call them up because I talked with a, the guy who opened that um little store earlier this year um Apparently, if you call them up and say, I want to lease some space in the Binghamton Plaza, apparently they do return your call. That's what, If I wanted to be disingenuous or clever and, and not, not above board, I, I would pretend that, hi, this is Timmy. I want to lease space at Binghamton Plaza and, and leave my number because apparently they do return calls if you want to lease some space at the plaza, but they don't return calls from reporters. So I, that would be one way to actually get them to return my call. I just have a sense that, although they clearly there are some small businesses that exist, including the Great Pizza Place and some other nearby businesses, I think the leather, leather shop too, otherwise they just don't really care. And I think, I think this has been part of the plan all along for them, you know, the easy way out. Okay, the city will take it over using eminent domain, which means they have to pay whatever is determined to be fair compensation. I don't know what that amount will be. I mean, the city can't just take it and and not pay. Now, I guess I guess the mayor says that they owe back taxes. So, I guess I guess maybe the hopefully the city will be able to settle the tax thing. But as far as why why this was allowed to get so bad over the last few decades that's that's another question that nobody will ask because let's face it after one store after the big stores started closing including the final nail for the Binghamton Plaza the final nail in the retail coffin was Kmart closing so why hasn't something been done sooner you know, why has the north side had to wait so long while that place is just slowly, slowly twisted in the wind? Well, Bob, I wonder if that would have been a good spot, the, the old Kmart, for your Bob-O-Mort. It would be a great, it still is a great spot. You know, the last time, uh, you know, somebody used that place, uh, I believe about three years ago, is a hemp drying place. You remember when when Johnny Hemp Manelli brought all his hemp's in there, and I I went in there once because I I was fascinated. I thought I want to see what the old Kmart looks like as it's filled with lots and lots of hemp. Oh my gosh! I've never smelled anything quite like it, Felix. Oh. It it was the darndest thing. 
and it was overpowering. And I thought, I thought it would be just like a little something that'd be hemplicious. It, it was like it was hemp in your face, man. And uh, and there were, there were hemp's all around, and a bunch of hempsters running around because they were trying to dry out all the hemp's. Yeah. But, um, yeah. yeah, so I don't think there's probably still lingering hempiness in there. Well, Bob, if you ever think of franchising Bobo Morts, uh, here in Peoria we have a plaza that I think you'd fit into real well. Where? Is, is it next to one of those chicken sandwich shops that only runs six days a week? Uh, yeah, we have a chicken uh, a shop which is... Uh, very, very devoted, and they only run five days a week, actually. Uh, so it's uh, not open on weekends. But, yeah, uh, I, I have a theory, uh, or it'll actually be a strange quirk with my Bob Mart business model as we franchise it across the country. It'll be closed just on Wednesdays. Wednesday. You know, when I was growing up, Bob, all of the dentists in my town closed on wednesdays you couldn't go to a dentist on wednesday that's true you you had to schedule your toothache for the other days of the week because heaven forbid you had a dental emergency on wednesday i think that still tends to be the case so i would i would run bob omart sort of along the you know I, i would i would get the american dental association seal of approval because we closed on wednesdays so i could observe whatever it is i observe on wednesday afternoons well, will your Barble Mart have, as in Wegmans and Wise and so on, will you have a pharmacy at your Barble Mart? Uh, oh, yeah. Yeah, we'll be pushing lots of drugs. Yeah, maybe some hemp, too. Oh, yeah. No, we'll, I even know the pharmacist who I'll hire. I think she would like to work for Barble Mart. She's a very good pharmacist. She has a, a good personality, and she's very professional. So I think I'll hire her to run... The, the pharmacy at Bobo Mart. Boy, I can't wait till it opens. Same here. You'll hear about it right here on News Radio 1290, WNBF and WNBF.com. Say hi to your friends in, in uh, Peoria. Will do. Okay. Hope the program plays in Peoria. It's 1126. This is Bob Joseph, 607 772 1290. Now, what the heck? Let's take another call. Hi, WNBF. What's your first name? Where are you calling from? Bob, do you think it's fun to leave people on hold for an hour? Sure. What? Why not? WNBF, where are you calling from? Uh, Bampton. Yeah, what's your first uh, Dale. name? Dale from Binghamton. Yeah. What's up? Yeah, the Bampton Plaza, or uh, WT Grants, or Walmart, or uh, Kmart, and all of that. That land underneath there, there was something there beforehand. I thought it was a dump. Wasn't it a dump? It was a dump. You're right. And, uh, you know, that's why the the parking lot's all falling apart and stuff, because it's still sinking, you know. And and that's a a big problem of why all those buildings closed down. Well, maybe that's uh, the same problem that uh, DOT had when they built their sinking bridge up the street. Did you ever think that, you know, the DOT probably should have done better research about building their Funco bridge 
in 2013, oh, yeah. so close to the river. That's probably why the thing is sinking. That's probably why Shenango Street's been closed down for 13 months. Oh, man, 13 months. You know, that's that's a big problem there for a lot of people. But, uh, you know, like I said, if you walk behind the Kmart and stuff along the river walk and you stand underneath that bridge on 81 and feel that vibration, it's just... Uh, and to hang to all that concrete up above like that on the bottom. Yeah, the I know uh, if I ever drive a, a truck, I'm taking an alternate route. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I don't mind. Right. My car my car doesn't weigh that much. Plus, whenever I go over that bridge, I always yeah. go over at, uh, a, shall we say, a somewhat higher speed than the posted speed limit just because i want I to that. yeah I, and i'm not saying that bridge well dale i'm not <laughs> yeah. i'm not implying there's any danger i'm just saying that no. me personally i don't want to be on that bridge because the i just don't dot implies danger by shutting down Snango street for a year or so you know and uh they should understand uh why it was a bad decision to put all hang all that up off underneath that bridge you know it just yeah. really gets me it's terrible like it's it's uh it's a darn shame it is all right well no, thanks that's all i want okay yeah. have a good weekend you too bye-bye 1129 wnbf 607-772-1290 also email bob at wnbf.com if you have a comment or a concern send it to bob at wnbf.com on the air, 1290 AM, 92.1 FM, and always available on the free WNBF app. Hi. WNBF 1132 with Bob Joseph on the radio. Joan from Binghamton, good morning. What's up? On the air. What's up? I really didn't want to go on the air, but well, I figured you know. I, I, I give you a tip. Somebody needed some marijuana, uh, and they couldn't wait for store hours, and they broke the front window over the marijuana shop. Which one? <laughs> Which one? Oh, Binghamton Plaza, what you've been talking about all morning. Oh, okay. Well... 
You know, that's the problem. The, the licensing, the licensing here in New York State, the process is so painfully slow. And is it any wonder that, that people who want the cannabis just can't wait? I mean, they say it's not addictive, and I don't think it is physically addictive, but I think some people who like cannabis, I, I don't think they can wait for Kathy Hochul to license all these weed shops. Well, maybe, but they they compare the uh, you know marijuana of the 1970s, which had I think they said like 2.5 percent. The active ingredient is what THC, and now is 25 percent. Well, now the it's, kids uh, are now the kids are genetic, putting genetic engineering right. and uh, growth types. You know, so yeah. basically the marijuana of the past. The guy compared it to near beer and a martini. He said the 1970 marijuana was a near beer, and the present marijuana was a martini. Yeah, it's pow, pow, powerful, Yeah, so, according to the kids. And now, did you see that now some of the kids are putting the uh, the THCs into, uh, of course, brownies? I mean, that's a given. But now even, I was at one of those shops, and they're putting it into the candy bars. Uh-huh. And, and they have gummies and all sorts of things, and this guy is like, yeah, I'm looking at the ingredients. I said, "Who the heck makes this?" He said, "Look closely. It's it's there on the the thing." So it's like there is a company that apparently is making these candy bars, and I'm like, "How do they get away with it?" Mm-hmm. Including some that look like it to me, and you know, I'm not an attorney, but to me it looks like total copyright infringement because they've taken well-known national train barks and basically appropriated a, a name, a beloved name of a favorite candy, and then changed it just a bit. But it's like they're, you would think that the copyright owner, or the trademark owner, rather, would take them to court. Yeah, yeah, you would think so. Well, this article was, you know, mostly on on that and the uh, scientific articles that they've been studying with the... Uh, um, effect of marijuana creating uh, schizophrenia in patients and people, and uh, increasing violence, and especially in very young, in younger people, using it, uh, modifying, actually modifying their genetic uh, makeup. We well, another thing is for for yeah. the young people that are using the THC in increasingly high. Uh, quantities or high higher percentages than used to be the case back in the good old days. Keep in mind, their brains aren't fully formed. So That's some right. of them, you know, if they're teenagers or even into their early twenties, their brains have not finished formation. So there's concern, I think, about potential damage, long term damage it could cause to the the brains of our young people. Yeah, I just I, the the thing that always bothered me was is they they knocked down smoking, you know for causing cancer 30 years later, and now they want to promote something that is basically smoking all over again. I mean, you can't have, you know, I mean, different places you work, you know, they're all air air quality is so important and needs to be tested all the time and et cetera, et cetera, but yet the state is pushing something, you know, making it legal and something that we're all, we're all going to pay for later because all the suits, that happen, you know, lawyers are going to make a lot of money, obviously, but the average person is going to end up uh, paying for all the damage that's, uh, 
you know, the state's collecting for what, sales tax or whatever or violence, people will be dead, obviously. I mean, if that happens, you know, that's something you can't. <laughs> You're not going to correct later on. but uh, well, I asked the guy at one of these shops, I said, are you ever worried about security and the crime? He said, no, it's, it's okay. We're in a high-crime area, but people respect us. <laughs> Isn't that weird? We're in a high-crime area, but people respect, people respect us. So they, us. It's like, I, and I, I, I looked at him like, okay. He said, we haven't had any problems yet. And I thought, well, that's what they always say. You know, you always say before you're uh, targeted by a criminal, you always say before that, I haven't had any problems yet. And then Mm -hmm. you wind up being targeted. And then you say, yeah, never saw that coming. Well, you know, that's uh, the target, uh, you know, just like the break in, you know, just uh, somebody stole a couple of packets of marijuana and. You know, they were. That's but see, what, what they, I don't understand why they would now with New York's laws, why they would even bother doing that. Because if they get caught, I'm not saying they will, but say if they do get caught, they could potentially face jail time or whatever. Why don't they just go to the guy here on Court Street and just buy it from him? And instead of because it doesn't cost that much, somebody told me. And why would you why would you risk being incarcerated when it's I mean just judging if you walk down Court Street sometimes you would think that everybody is um on the wacky weed so why don't you just do that and you don't have to risk being taken out of circulation I I don't know why anybody would take the chance breaking into the place well if you can get more they were saying you can get more drug they i don't know i was talking to somebody and they were saying that uh you know basically why why do you want to get arrested oh it's easier to get drugs in uh jail than it is uh it is here on the street it's cheaper too yeah, maybe <laughs> I, I, ho- I hope not to have to do an investigative report i hope not to have to be incarcerated to to find that out for a wnbf.com special series appreciate your call all righty. 11.39, WNBF, as always, we tell you to do what you can to stamp out crime. Or is it stomp out crime? And as my good friend Bill Parker used to say, Bobby, always respect the law. 607-772-1290, Friday morning. With Bob Joseph on WNBF News Radio. WNBF. Real radio. This is the radio that Marconi had promised. This is the very best in talk radio. You can only get this kind of listening satisfaction. When you tune in to News Radio, WNBF 92.1 FM. Well, I guess 1290 AM. Or WNBF.com, I suppose. Or on the WNBF app. You have to watch out for those spider webs. Wood pile. 
bitten by some sort of poisonous spider. Have my tongue fall out over the weekend. All right, let's take more calls. Uh, Bob from Shenango Forks, good morning. You're on. Yes, I thought I'd call and tell you about grants and chicken. When All right. I, kid, I grew up on the north side, lived there 40 years. Grants used to have a chicken day where all the chicken you could eat. And, of course, we used to go there on that day. I don't remember if it was a weekend or what. We sat and we ate, ate, and ate. Finally, management says, no, you can't have any more chicken. And we said, it's all you can eat. Well, finally, they took, came, took our picture, and then told us to leave. <laughs> no, they yeah. can't do that. They can't. That's that would be against the law. Well, this is back in what the sixties, probably late sixties. <laughs> we're kids, you know. But we used to eat all the chicken we could, and we used to go there a lot. I mean, every chicken day. You know, I couldn't even tell if it was ninety-nine cents all you could eat or what. But well, what kind of chi- what kind of chickens? What kind of chickens do they have? Well, they had legs and they had chicken breasts. They always. They started you out good with the big pieces. Then they whittled you down to, like, the legs or a wing or something. <laughs> See, that's the thing. If if a place has a, an all-you-can-eat promotion, it should truly be all-you-can-eat. I've heard of some of these places that they they promote all-you-can-eat, and then once they see, oh, wait, we didn't mean that much. <laughs> I don't. They, they have a huge cafeteria or a huge luncheonette there. Really, I mean, uh, it was pretty good size, you know. It was always busy, you know. Huh. But uh, yeah, and then like they say, before that, as a kid growing up, we used to go there for the circus. You know, the circus always used to set up at Soul Flats there or whatever, you know. Um, the whole neighborhood was, you know, busy in those days, you know. I uh, just remember a lot about the North Side, and even in today's paper, they showed Bennett Field, which was at Zango Park. And uh, well, you I remember when they built the incinerator? Somebody, uh, the yeah. city of Binghamton, decided what we'll do is start burning all our trash, and so they built a giant incinerator. And how long did that last? Not long. <laughs> I don't even know if they ever burned anything in No, they, they burned some. They burned some for a time, but not for long because it, it didn't work right, and the people the people on the north side didn't like it. Well, I remember, like they say, when the city or whoever used to dump the trash. I remember seeing the truck dump the stuff yeah. there. Yeah, I saw you a know? picture. I saw, saw a newspaper picture when, on opening day, the first trash truck dumping it in i remember by the way i just looked up an ad for uh, grants uh with their specials listen to their specials this was at the binghamton plaza in 1972 the restaurant was called the skillet town and country family dining and which is interesting because then they went and built the town and country apartments and you know what happened then so um monday do you know what their Monday special was? <laughs> liver. Liver for oh. 99 cents. <laughs> Ooh, liver and onions, yeah. It didn't say onions, just said liver. Uh, so they're, okay. they're, they're getting people to eat livers for 99 cents. Then, Tuesday, turkey. Now, turkey, 
would have mashed potato, cranberry sauce. That's 99 cents. Wednesday was clams. Thursday, chickens. And Friday, fish. And then Saturday, those are all 99 cents. And then Saturday was a big day for the whole family. You'd pile them into the station wagon and uh, bring all the kids for steak dinner for $1.99. Yeah. Yeah, those those uh, must have been some mighty good steaks. Yeah, I can imagine. You know? And get off the subject a little bit, but I saw an article in the New York Post last week that uh, a duck city in Netherlands is going to be the first in the world to ban all beef advertising. Now, they're about 12 miles from Amsterdam, and they proposed a new law this week to ban all reference to meat in a bid to help reduce climate change. The ban will take effect 2024, restrict all advertising in public places. Well, by banning meat, I want to know how that's going to help with the climate change. I mean, you can't have a cow in another one? Apparently not. Apparently, they eventually, apparently, they want to phase out the cows because. Cows do generate a lot of methane. I, I don't know the process, but I, I've heard about it. Anyway, appreciate your call. Thank you for the memories. Uh, Oscar in Oswego, good morning. Yeah, this is Oscar from Oswego via Cyprus. I, I figured if Felix was going to call in, I have no choice because the other half needs to supplement the balance. Yeah, so what's going on in Oswego today? Ah, well, you brought up uh, tomorrow what you're doing. Uh, I always got stuck running the wood splitter. That thing always broke down all the time. So I'm kind of figuring that your hunting camp's getting ready to go for the season. Am I close? I really am not at liberty to go into any further detail. I already got enough Uh trouble because somebody apparently is listening without authorization to the program. That person ought not be listening because if I want to, if I want to feign an illness to get out of my wood stacking commitment tomorrow, they shouldn't be listening to hear me plot a strategery. You know, hi, I'm sick. I got COVID twenty three. <laughs> but you know, now I'm going to have to be there. But it's okay. I well, mean, it's always fun. We, we've done it for years, and, and we get a bunch of people and. You know, you get so many people, it actually, the, the wood gets stacked pretty fast, and then we all go out for lunch. Well, sounds like a good plan. It will be. A, a lot. I still, I, I, well, let's see, what was I thinking here, because I had a train of thought on that. You got to have, you got to have onions, you got to have peppers, you got to have sausage, and definitely bacon on that nice, good wood fire. Oh, you just can't beat it. <laughs> Thank you, Oscar. That's the story from us we go, making contemporary news. 11.50. More to come on WNBF.
1153 with Bob Joseph. Vinny and Binghamton, good morning. Yes, good morning, Bob. Hey, I, I, I was, um, I was, had a question on, uh, our attorney general that I hope maybe, um, some reporter asked her later on or as soon as possible, whatever. During their investigation of Donald Trump, now I know, and I think most people know, he's done a lot of business in New Jersey. Has she contacted their attorney general there with any questions? Or oh, that's a good question. That is a great question. And next time Tish James is on, I can call her Tish because all of her friends in New York City media refer to her as Tish James. So the next time Tish James is on the program, that's the first question I'll ask her. Because I've heard when he was running, I heard the horror stories down there in Atlantic City when he was down there. You know, he'd order plates with his insignia on them, and they'd, he'd go fish around for somebody to give him the lowest bid, and then um, it would come in, and he said, oh, it's not the way I wanted it, and so they'd have to go even lower. I mean, you know, it, it, the whole game. And what and what she said in that in, um, the press conference was true, and, and uh, I've always said this to people. You see, it's these, these, these white-collar crimes, this bogus stuff that these guys do, not Trump, a lot of the wealthy and well-to-do, they make it harder for the people coming behind them. Because the people come out, want to do it honest way, want to do it, well, you can't. Why? Because this bum in front of you made it this way. Cheating, stealing, you name it, not doing it the proper way. And now you got to suffer for it when you want to do the same thing. I heard something in that Fox News interview, and I was going to play the clip today, and then I thought I'd give people a break, but... He told the interviewer on the Fox News channels that uh, something to the effect, yeah, we gave the uh, information, all of our financial information to the lenders, but we always told them, don't depend on it. Do your own investigation. So basically, during uh, an interview, he, he sort of acknowledged, yeah, what we give to our prospective lenders is a bunch of crap. Jeez, I know. And I'm thinking, I'm thinking so much of what he said in those two hours on the Fox News channels, most of it sounds like it's self-incriminating. It sounds like if if there are trials to come, and there may not be trials to come, but if any criminal charges ultimately come out, that they could play back some of those interview clips from Fox News channels and probably convict the guy. Yeah. I mean, come on, man. You don't, even if you're as guilty as anyone, don't go out on Fox News channels and admit it. Anyway, I got to go. I got to go. Okay. I got to go. You know, I'm sorry. A guy who should know better admitting on the Fox News channels, all that stuff. I'm Bob Joseph on WNBF. Who takes... This is Bob Joseph, pleased to say, as always, mission accomplished. That is how we end it for the week. I'll be back Monday morning. Enjoy your weekend with News Radio. WNBF Binghamton and WNBF.com.